How many get your word tonight? Come on, open your Bible to Genesis 13. Come on, right in the book of beginnings. How many know that God is still a God of beginnings? Meaning he still does new things in your life every day. You shut up here, you're like, Gabriel, my week was tough. I'm frustrated. I'm hurting. It wasn't a good week. I'm telling you something. God is the God of beginnings. Meaning he has a new season for you every day. Meaning, meaning, I'm not saying like you come into a whole new place. I'm saying that God has something new for you every day. The children of Israel are supposed to go out every morning, Monday through Saturday, to get the manna, to get the food from heaven. They, didn't eat, they weren't supposed to eat yesterday's manna. They were supposed to eat today's manna. God is the God of beginnings. Yesterday ain't happening no more, is it? It's done for. You can't relive yesterday. I don't care if you create a time machine. Now, for those people that have actually found out that, that you can go ahead of time. And this is pretty much this is what they said. No, I, I, I'm not going to tell you. Genesis 13. You guys there? <clears throat> they actually found a way. You can go ahead in time like 0.1 seconds or something crazy like that if you're going fast enough. Anyway. <coughs> oh, brother, who told you? Who told you the truth? Whatever. She learned that when she was like one years old. She's so smart. Okay. All right. Common courtesy. Come on. Say common courtesy. Look, if we're going to be Christians, we've got to have some common courtesy. Amen? Last week we talked about that guy. This week we're talking about common courtesies. You know what I'm talking about? We just need to have some, some simple. If you're, if you're uh, distracted by my, nasal, uh, my nasally voice, just, just forgive me and bless me in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Come on, brother. Thanks, man. I don't even know you, but thanks. Common courtesies. The do's and the don'ts. Look, Christianity is not about do's and don'ts. But there are some things you should do and there's some things you shouldn't do. If you know what I'm talking about. Common courtesies. You ready? Don't wipe your hands on your pants when you sneeze into them. Read, I'm just trying to help out our people, man. Wipe them out on somebody else's pants. That's just wrong right there. For real. The worst is when it's like summertime and, and, and you got shorts on and you're sitting down. So the shorts are like riding up on you. And you sneeze, and you're like, oh, oh, suck. You know that? You know that? You ever experienced that? Okay, sweet. I'm not the only one. Sweet. Yeah. Or like, okay. Don't, don't do that. Don't wipe your hands on your pants. When, and, when, and don't wipe it on somebody else's pants. Can I, let me say one other one. And, and let me get spiritual. For, can I get spiritual? Thanks. <coughs> You're like, if you don't want me to, I'll stop. But look, check this out. 
Somebody say, hey. Thanks, I got to need some help. Okay. When you're praying for somebody, say, uh-oh. I need a volunteer. Volunteer, somebody. Alex, come here. Andrew, come here, bro. Hey, what are we talking about? Common courtesies, right? The do's and don'ts. This is something you don't do. When you're praying for somebody, I believe in the laying on of hands. Drew already knows where we're going. But I don't believe in the pushing down on bodies. We got him, baby! He's out! Come on, give it up for Alex. The Bible says and teaches in, in Hebrews, I think, 6, to, to the laying on of hands. It doesn't say push down on them. I appreciate the extension of your faith by laying hands on me. But what I don't appreciate is all of your weight on me. Pray and lay hands on people, but as you do it, don't push them down. Come on, give me a round of applause. That's the only round of applause I'm asking you to give me all night. But seriously, like that just, that's just wrong. All right, you there? Genesis 13. Common courtesies. We'll be back next week with that guy. That guy. Don't miss out. It's the best part of the service, for real. <laughs> some of you blessed. Some of you more blessed by that than anything else. Like seriously. Some of you are more helped out by that. Then the word I'm about to, I'm about to, pre- no, I'm just kidding. Okay. All right, we're there. Genesis 13, verse 1. <clears throat> man, Lord help me. I got to speak. My voice is crazy. Then I receive it. <clears throat> then Abram, come on, say, say Abram. He went up from Egypt. Say, uh-oh. Now, Egypt, when I say uh-oh, I mean Egypt is uh-oh, but he went up is a good thing. So say, hey, hey. hey. All right. <laughs> he, <laughs> We got help him, Lord. Help him. Okay, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him to the south the, or to the Negev. It's so funny. They went up to the south. What the heck does that even mean? <laughs> what it's saying is that they went up to the sou- southern part of Judea. So they were in Egypt, Africa. We got somebody named KK here from Africa. Come on, give it up for KK. She, ha- she actually has more of a f- f- uh, sophisticated name, but I just call her KK. So. Uh, so from Egypt, what came up from Egypt, and Egypt in the Bible mostly represents bad things, so there's a lot of history in that, but regardless, he came up from Egypt, and it says in verse 2, Abram uh, was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Say, hey, hey. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Say beginning. Come on, say first love. That's good right there. Okay, between Bethel and I to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Say, hey, hey. Verse 5, Lot also who went with Abram 
had flocks and herds and tents. Now, the land was unable to support them, that they might dwell together. Say, uh uh-oh. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Verse 7, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Okay, word picture here. The, okay, the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. Okay, word picture, or just for you to help, help you understand. Empty my pockets so I can move quicker. Uh, Abram was called by God in Genesis chapter 12 to leave the land that he came from. The land he came from was the land of the Ur of Chaldeans, which was in essence Babylon. And so he called him from there. God didn't call Lot. You hear me? Who didn't God call? God didn't call Lot. God called Abraham. His name was Abram originally, but we're going to call him Abraham because we live on this side of the cross. He's now Abraham. God called Abraham, and Lot came with him. Both of them were wealthy. They just came from Egypt. Both of them got blessed like crazy. Abraham and each of them had about 300 servants, lots of cattle, lots of just, I mean, it was crazy, crazy, crazy. These guys were very uh, prosperous. Get the word picture? They're there together. They're in this land. They're in the land. They're actually in the promised land that God originally promised to Abraham in the beginning. They're sitting and standing in the place that God promised them. They're actually right there in Jerusalem and that whole area, the southern part of Judea. Okay, you with me? And there was strife because there was so much stuff. Both of them had so much stuff and there wasn't enough room for both of them. Now verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Come on, say, let there be no strife. Say, no strife. I hear you guys over here, but something over in this whole kind of area, I don't really hear anything. Oh. Touche. Okay. Is not the whole land before you, Abram says to Lot, please separate from me. Say separate. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Say, uh-oh. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him. Say, after. Come on, say it three times. After. After. After, after Lot had separated from him, he said, lift your eyes now, say now, and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, well for us it would be, it would be northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also will be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it unto you. Hey, hey. Praise God. Flip over to Galatians chapter 5. 
and we will get rolling, 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 rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. You there? Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. We read it last week and read it again. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. It means nothing. Say nothing. But faith, say faith. Come on, say faith. Working through love. Nothing matters. Except faith. Say faith. Now you can't stop there. You can't stop at faith. Because there is an expression of faith. Because faith by itself, faith without works is what? Dead faith. But we want live faith. We want active faith. We want faith with an expression. And faith with an expression is love. It's not just zeal. It's not just passion. It's not just excitement. Faith with an expression is love. Love toward God. And love toward people. We've been teaching on faith for the past few weeks, haven't we? We've been talking about faith and stirring up your faith and believing God for what he wants to do in you and through you and the purpose and plan that he has for you and getting a dream and getting a vision that God has a purpose and plan for you, for our city, to stir up our faith, to believe that God wants to turn this city into a, into a place where people come from all over the world because Christ is doing so many things here, into a place where so many people are getting saved because we're activating and walking in our faith and it looks like love faith say faith faith without an expression is dead dead i don't want dead faith i want faith with an expression and if you don't have faith with an expression i question your salvation because the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, right? But faith, real faith, say real faith. Real faith has an expression. So the expression looks like ultimately a love for God and a love for each other. Say amen. Last week we talked about Jesus asking Peter, do you love me? This week. I'm asking you a question, do you love one another? The message is titled, No Strife. Come on, say, No Strife. No Strife. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Lord, I bind, Lord, every lying spirit. God, I bind strife in this place. God, disunity and discord. God, I pray you'd bring unity. God, I pray you'd impart a word to encourage your body. God, to bring understanding, to bring wisdom. God, to bring revelation about how to live out their faith. God, about what it looks like to have an expression of love. Father, we ask that you would impart to us. Come on, ask him. God, impart to us. Lord, impart to me a word. Impart to me love. Regardless of the speaker, regardless of the atmosphere, God, impart a word into us. Change us. I want to be the same. I want to be different. I want to be more like you. I want us to be more like you. I want to see us genuinely and authentically love one another. Help us. 
How many like going to uh, Six Flags? Anybody been to Six Flags? I think it's called Magic Mountain. I think it was Six Flags, I think when I was in junior high or something. But when I was younger, I went to Six Flags, and I also went to Disneyland. They're different things. Thanks, man. But when I was younger, I went to Six Flags and had an awesome, awesome time. Awesome. How many, how many have been to Disneyland? How many of you still to this day question what the point of Disneyland is? I went to Disneyland with uh, with my wife uh, and and some of our friends down in California, and I remember I remember walking. Uh, somebody go who who's was somebody with me or something? Were you there? Yes, we were there. Kaylee, you were there. Yeah, um, yeah, we were the whole group of people, and it was one of those experiences, you know, where you're you're down there in Disneyland, and uh, and 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 the whole time I was there, I was kind of waiting for something to like make me go whoa. But the whole time I was there, I was like, this definitely ain't the happiest place in the world. And I'm look, tonight I'm not trying to down Disneyland. They got cool commercials. I love their movies. Come on, somebody. I love, I mean, Aladdin. Somebody like, I'm a Christian. I don't watch that stuff. Well, apparently I'm not. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> What else? Come on, Lion King. Oh, my God. We didn't have, like, a Lion King. How many went to the Lion King, uh, the, the, what's it called? The play, yeah, but they got, they call it, now they call it something else. Broadway. Broadway. Come on. Broadway, Lion King. How many been to the Broadway uh, Lion King? How many? That was amazing. It even made the movie that much better. Mufasa, you know. Love, love the movie. But we're down there at Lion King, and the whole time I was there, I just I felt like I was looking for something. Just couldn't couldn't find it. And then I remember everybody that we were in the group with, like, we gotta go to to Looney Tuneville. I'm like, yeah, totally, Daffy Duck. Who else is in Looney Tune? Bugs Bunny, Goofy, <laughs> Elmer, the Fudo. I mix, I mix whatever she said and what he said with FUD and ooh. I don't even know what she said. Oh. Fluto. Oh. Pluto. <laughs> okay. And I got there. But I was there for like 20 minutes and I kept saying, so where's this Looney Tune place at? Because I was expecting something like so sweet. Looney Tune feels stupid. The colors are dull. I don't even get the point. Like, I'm thinking they're spending multi-millions of dollars on this place. And, and Looney Tunes is just stupid. Anybody else been there? Come on, somebody. Do you disagree with me? I don't know. I, is it, am I the only one that thinks it was stupid? I didn't understand it. The colors were dull. It's like they painted them 40 years ago with watered-down paint. Like, they were, they were struggling to get paint or something. But that's not why I went to Disneyland. I went to Disneyland to walk with people, eat food. Come on, somebody. 
And I also went there to go on some rides. They got some cool rides. And one of the best things about rides is they got this thing called the Fast Pass. <laughs> I mean, brilliant. I mean, really. Brilliant. Stop laughing, Cameron. It's sick. Brilliant. Fast Pass. Brilliant. Oh, what if we created something where, like, I could take this little card and I could, like, go, you know, eat Cheerios for, like, Cheerios uh, for, like, an hour and then come back and I go right to the front of the line and pass all the other people and I just get right, jump on that stick and roller coaster and ride that thing. That's a cool, well, they did that. So you can go to Disneyland, jump and grab one of these fast passes, walk up the fast pass line, you jump in ahead of everybody. When I went to Six Flags, no fast pass. <laughs> but they have wheelchairs. Look, I wasn't saved yet. Leave me alone. <laughs> and at Disney World, baby. I wasn't saved there. No, I was. No, but they, got fast, they don't got fast passes at Six Flags, and they don't got fast passes at SeaWorld. But they do give you these things called wheelchairs right at the front. And if you, have a, <laughs> if you got a wheelchair, you can take the back... <laughs> Come on, somebody, acting like you're all holy in church or something. You can take that wheelchair and roll yourself on in to the handicap. You pass that hour and a half line, jump up right there, and you ride that Superman ride like it ain't no thing. So I go with my family. I don't know how old I was, 20. No, we went there when I was like 14 or something. And, uh, and we go there, and my, I remember... My family's like, you know, we got about eight hours before we got to leave, and so we got to get all the time we can. You know, it's like an it's like an hour and a half wait for each ride. So that means we might get like four or five rides. Don't judge me; I'm not the best mathematician, but but regardless, we 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 want to get some rides. So my brother, oldest brother, <laughs> volunteered. Well, I got an idea. As we were walking into the place, we saw some wheelchairs. So my brother, oldest brother, he, he, he said, you know, my back's been kind of hurting anyway. And so, so that dude hopped in that wheelchair, and we, we went on like 24 rides that day. Look, don't, don't do this. And if you do, don't tell your parents you heard it from me. You heard it from Reed. Reed's the one that told you guys to do I'll take your fault. Come on, man. That's real love right there. Fast, fast, fast passes. You know, I think, I think as Christians, we have a tendency to look for fast passes. We have, we have a tendency to look for fast tracks. You know, we come to church sometimes looking for fast tracks. We come to the Bible sometimes looking for a fast track. Well, God's got something for me, and I want to get there real fast. We ask the pastor for fast passes. We go to counselors for fast passes. We go to our parents for a fast pass. Something, when I say a fast pass, I'm talking about you becoming something, you're going somewhere, you fulfilling something that you really want to do. 
Look, in college, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to go to school for, for uh, I'm just going to take half the credits. I'm going to do 60 credits. Instead of 120 credits, I'm still going to get the degree. You can't do that, can you? No. Somebody say, there ain't no fast passes. There is a fast pass to heaven. His name is Jesus. And it's not even a fat, fast, 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 fast pass. Somebody help me. Gosh. It ain't even a fast pass. It's a translation. It's a transfer. It's a picking up and taking you from one place and putting you in another place. There's this principle, the already but not yet. We already are redeemed and saved and called and chosen by God. It is already promised. We're already children of God, but it hasn't yet been fully realized. And there's things that God has in store for each one of you and for each one of us and for us as, an, as a ministry and as a church in Anchorage. And there ain't no fast pass to getting there. And as you come here on a Thursday night, as you come to church on a Sunday, as you go talk to somebody, don't look for quick ways to get what you need. And as I present this message tonight, it might come across to you that this is a fast pass or a fast track to getting what God has for you. And sometimes we think that loving God and worshiping Him is a fast pass to finding peace. Sometimes we think that worshiping God or reading the Bible is a fast pass to getting holy. Listen to me. Sometimes we think that loving one another and forgiving somebody is just a fast pass to getting where I need to go in my life. And that, 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 there ain't nothing further from the truth. Loving God and loving people is not the means. It is the goal. Amen. We've already arrived. And our response of that arrival is to personally, passionately, intimately, relentlessly, intentionally love God and love one another. It's not, it's not a means. Don't, don't, don't fool yourself thinking that if you worship God, I'm going to get where I need to go. We discovered that last week. We talked about that last week. Are you loving God? Are you worshiping God to get something from Him? You love Him because you love Him. I remember when I was trying to look for a Looney Tune. The funny thing was that I was there. Some of you are looking for the fulfillment of Christianity. You're trying to add something to your Christianity. Look, the sum and fulfillment of all that you need is Jesus. It's a personal, intimate. The sum and fulfillment of everything is Jesus. It's a personal and intimate relationship with Him. That is the goal. That is the end. That is what we were made for. Now, yes, there are things, there are works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. But those works are an expression of your love for God and your love for people. If the expression of what you were called to do does not look like loving God and loving people, it's not the expression that God intended for you to do. The end is loving God and loving people. It's not, it's, not, it's not a way to get to what God has for you. It is the only thing that God has for you to love God and love people. If the vision that God has given you that you think, 
doesn't transfer over into loving God and loving people, then it is not a vision from God. Well, Gabriel, I got a vision to be an artist. Cool. Find a way to do that by loving God and how to love people. Find a way to take what you feel you're made for and fulfill what you were really made for, which is an awesome relationship with God and with one another. Don't look anymore for Looney Tune. Don't look anymore for the fulfillment of Christianity. You got it. He lives and dwells in you. He went on his journey to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and I, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. Abraham experienced peace with God. When he was in Egypt, Abraham didn't have this experience where he worshiped God. But when he came to the promised land, somebody say promised land. Come on. When he came to the promised land, the place where God promised intimate relationship with him and with one another, in that place, Abraham was able to have peace and communion and loving relationship with God. Listen, check this out. The promised land isn't some cool, cute vision. The promised land, the land is a relationship with God. It is not the means to the vision that God's given you. It is. Abraham was experiencing what no other person had experienced. Abraham wasn't a Jew. He wasn't, he wasn't nothing. There was not, there was no, there were no diversities. There were just people. And God called him and he, he, he was able to worship God. He had peace with God. He had right relationship with God. It is not a way to get something from God. Right relationship with God is the purpose you were made. You hear what I'm saying? Your relationship with Jesus is what you're made for. Flip over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, but now. Somebody say now. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. Say near. Come on, you once were in Egypt and now you're in the promised land. You hear what I'm saying? Come on, Abraham once was down in Egypt and he went back to that place where he fell in love with God, to worship God. Not to get something from God, but to love and worship him because he had been brought near. You hear what I'm saying? Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Say peace. (coughs) Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh, Jesus died on the cross to abolish that which separated us from him. He might reconcile them both to God. Verse 18. For through him, Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God and the Spirit. What this picture represents is that Abraham came up from Egypt and came to the promised land and at that promised land he had the opportunity and the ability to have peace and right relationship with God. Peace is not necessarily an emotion. Peace is a position with God. When the Bible speaks of peace it's speaking of a relationship between you and God and you and one another. The expression of right relationship with God and right relationship with one another is an emotion of peace. You with me? You with me? 
Somebody say, I want an emotion of peace. You can't have an emotion of peace if you're not relationally in peace. Okay, well, I haven't felt peace for a long time. You cannot have an emotion of peace if you don't have relational peace. And that's what I'm talking about tonight. You want peace with God? Repent of your sins, turn to Jesus, and you'll find peace from now until eternity. And if you blow it and you don't feel peace, repent, confess your sins one to another, and you will find forgiveness and healing of your soul. I don't know about you, but I like the emotions of peace. I'm hot. Like, really? Anybody, I think it was cold in here when I first came in here, but. You want emotional peace? You got to have relational peace. Loving God, worshiping God, like Abram says that he called on the name of the Lord. Listen, listen, listen. That is the promised land. Who knows? Abraham might have been looking for the promised land still, but he was there having worship, having communion with God. Next verse, because some of you still ain't getting it. Okay. Help us, Lord. <clears throat> Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Say Lot. Lot. Come on, say Lot. Not a lot, but Lot. Lot was a dude. Lot had Lot was a nephew of Abraham. Who did God call? God called Abraham, right? Did God call Lot? We don't find that God called Lot. What we find is Lot followed Abraham. Lot represents him who came out of Babylon but wasn't called of God. Lot represents those who came out of the world who aren't real believers, who aren't real Christians, who are with believers. More specifically, Lot represents disunity. Lot represents discord. Lot represents strife, division. Abraham was fully in the promises of God, called of God, but Lot wasn't. Lot represented strife. It's a picture for us. Abraham represents the man of faith. Lot represents the man of strife. Abraham brought strife into the promised land. You with me? Abraham brought strife. Abraham brought Lot into that promised land. And he reaped the consequences. But he dealt with it. Lot went with Abraham. He had flocks and herds and tents. Just as, just as Abraham, I'm, I'm, I know, I know, I'm kind of going a little, be, kind of beyond the surface of this text, but I want you to hear me because I'm going to pull out in a minute and we're going to kind of wrap this all together and land the plane. But listen, Abraham had many tents and herds and servants and possessions and blessings. Check this out: the promised land and the man of faith or the woman of faith possesses many possessions that God has given them. You carry it with you, many blessings and possessions. You do. In you, because Christ is in you. 
by the Spirit of God. You possess a lot, but so does strife. Strife possesses a lot as well. Strife, the spirit of strife, the spirit of division possesses envy and anger and jealousy and competition, disunity. Where there is disunity, faith is absent. Real, genuine faith is not being activated if there is not unity. You say, Gabriel, I have faith. Where's the expression of your love? Because love is expressed in unity. But Gabriel, I got a lot of faith, but where is your love? You show me your love and your unity and I'll show you your faith. You with me? Come on, some of you with me tonight? What I'm trying to say is this. Lot carries a lot of baggage. And you can come in here and worship God, and you might be able to go to your closet and worship God, and you can go to church on Sunday and worship God and read your Bible, but you will only go so far with God if you do not deal with strife in your life. See, Abraham brought Lot, and he had worshiped God. But what we find out is that after Lot leaves, Abraham gets a vision. Because there are things that are keeping you from fulfilling what God has for you. And if you don't deal with strife, your relationship with God will only go so far. See, your relationship with God has already been dealt with because Christ has already made you one on the cross. And by your faith in him, you've established peace. But you want to go further with God, you must build unity with one another. Someone say, well, we just need to call on the Lord. No, we need to call on the Lord with unity. We need to call on the Lord. He's going to bring revival. No, we need to call on the Lord with unity, and God will do a thing in our city. There is discord in the body of Christ, and if we don't deal with it, we're not going to experience what God has for us. Once again, it's not necessarily the means. The purpose is unity with one another. That is the promise. But if we don't deal with the disunity here, we won't get vision for the people that God has for us. If you're not faithful with those that are around you and pursue peace and unity with those that are around you, why do you think God would ever give you more people to witness to in the first place? Strife. He represents strife. Verse 6, now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. The promised land represents what? Relationship with God and relationship with one another. Peace with God and peace with one another. The promised land, peace with each other, right relationship with each other, cannot support strife. The land was not able to support them they might, that they might not dwell together. Sorry. <laughs> the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together. Strife and peace with God cannot be supported. Discord and worship toward God cannot be supported. You can only go so far with that. You've been feeling held up in your relationship with God. I'm talking to those who have ears to hear tonight. 
And I'm challenging you tonight. This is a word from the Lord. And if you listen to this and you apply this and you embrace this, you will be changed when you leave here tonight. But if you close your ears and you don't embrace this word for you, you will walk here still discouraged and questioning why you're not moving forward in what God has for you and why your relationship with God is not moving forward. You want a new season with the Lord? You want to move forward in what he has for you? We need to deal with strife. We need to deal with the spirit of discord and disunity. You want unity in your family? You are the ambassador of Christ. You are a reconciler of God to the world to bring unity and peace to man. Talking to those who have ears to hear. The promised land cannot support peace with God and strife with one another. You say you love God? But you don't love one another? First John says this. John says it. How can this be? I do love them. Have you forgiven them? Yeah, I forgave them. But why do you still talk about that? If you forgave them, why do you still talk about it? If you forgave them, why do you have a hard time being around them? If you forgave them, why don't you bless them and talk good things about them? talking about strife. I'm talking about no strife. There was strife between the herdsmen, verse 7, of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Strife. Go to James chapter 3. You hear what I'm saying tonight? I really want to have a right relationship, more and more deeper relationship with God. And I really, really want to see this city change for Jesus. But if we don't deal with strife in our land, we won't get vision for the other land. When I was reading this passage, just to show you something, I didn't go online and try and pat, pull out some message from some person or some other sermon that somebody created i seek god every week for a word for you and we have people come up here and preach and teach like when reed or andrew or anybody else like jesse meeser will be preaching here sometime soon and when mariah speaks when people speak here we're not those who just want to find something off of sermon.com and try and give you something that sounds good we seek jesus every day to find a word and particularly me i'm speaking for myself I'm asking the Lord from the moment the service ends to find out what he wants for you next week. As I study this Genesis passage, it meant nothing to me until I continued to study it and found out what was really happening. What was happening was that Abraham had strife in his herd. And God wanted to do something, but he couldn't do it until strife was separated. But we need to know what strife is. James 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. It is worldly, it is of the flesh, and it is of the devil. Verse 16. For where envy, say envy, and self-seeking exists, say self-seeking, 
confusion and every evil thing are there. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Remember how I said that with Lot comes a lot of possessions? With Lot, he had a lot of herds, made a lot of things, but it brought a lot of strife, didn't it? Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and everything is there. If there is strife here, there's a lot worse than that here. And the one thing that the enemy wants to bring to the body is discord. The one thing that the enemy, the devil, wants to do, the main thing, if he can't take us off the rail of what God has for us, he'll just bring disunity and division among us. If there's anything he can do, it's to bring division. That's what he wants. He wants to divide. As I'm talking tonight, God's going to be showing you people that you have discord with. Hopefully here in this body that you can deal with. But also in your family, at your workplace, believer or not. We can't have that. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every little thing are there. Self-seeking, Lot. Look at Lot. I want you to look at Lot real quick. You go to verse 10. Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Lot was self-seeking. He had an opportunity to choose what was best for him or to give Abraham something else. Abraham sacrificed everything and said, you choose. And Lot, self-seeking, chose what was best for him. Self-seeking brings disunity. You hear what I'm saying? For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above, say above, is first pure, then peaceable, <clears throat> gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. By who? Those who make peace. I'm talking about when it says there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham and the others. I'm talking about strife. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to say something, being honest with you. When I came in here tonight, I had dealt with most frustration in my heart toward people. But as I walked in here, two different things happened where I could have been frustrated at somebody. And before tonight, usually I would have been frustrated and just said, well, I don't want to be frustrated with that person. But because the Lord has been bringing this word to me, the moment frustration comes, I just renounce it and I say, I bless that person, I forgive that person, and I release that person. But what we tend to do is we let strife come and we fester on it and we go gossip about that person and slander that person until we've gotten it all out of our system. And then we say, okay, I'll forgive them. But I just want everybody to know what they did to me. The true man of God and the true woman of God separates from strife right when it happens, right when they see it. Abraham goes, we can't be here together. He says it in the next verse. So Abram, say Abram. So Abram. He didn't wait for law. Let me tell you something. Strife is never going to try and leave you. Just letting it sit there, listen to me, just letting it sit there is not going to deal with itself. You got to deal with strife. You got to, like Abraham, go to strife and say, look, we got to separate. 
I'm dealing with this right now. You want the promises of God in your family? You want to see revival and breakthrough in your family? You got to go to strife and deal with it. And I'm talking about something so important tonight, and I hope you're hearing me. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Abraham goes a lot. And he says, let there be no strife. Say no strife. Come on, say no strife. Look, we got to be people that say, there's going to be no strife in my life. No bitterness. No discord. I'm going to pursue one another in love. And if they hurt me, I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to pursue them to bless them. And I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to see God do something great in them. And then I'm going to praise them in front of other people. Because I don't want strife. The church in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it said, and they were all with one accord, and they called on the Lord. And an earthquake shook the place where they were, and a wind came in and blew out the place. The Holy Spirit fell on them. Not because they called on the Lord, but because they called on the Lord with one accord. We've got to be in one accord. Leaders, we need to be in one accord. We need to deal with our junk. And now I do talk about positionally leaders in this ministry, but I talk to every single one of you as leaders because you are a Christian and you are a leader. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that you are an ambassador for Christ, <clears throat> that you are one who is supposed to reconcile the world. And I speak to every person in here. We have to deal with strife among us. We need to pursue unity. We need to be like Abraham and say, uh-uh, no strife. It hinders you. It holds you back from building more. Gabriel, from what? From building more relationships. What, 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 where are we going? We're not going to create some cool system and program. We're going to build more relationships with those who are lost and with those who are believers. You want to build more? I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't made new friends in a while because you have strife in your life. I don't really have very good <clears throat> deep relationships because you have strife. You want to go deeper with your relationships? Deal with strife. Are you hearing me? He says, we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. I love what he says in verse 8. He says, please, let there be no strife. And in verse 9, please separate from me. Abraham could have been, look, dude. <laughs> We're done. But he goes, please. You're my nephew, and what you're carrying with you is bringing strife. We can't do this together. I'm worshiping God here, and I can't have division among my body. You need to go. And he does. Separate from me. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. He lifted up his eyes. Verse 12, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Romans 12, Romans 12, 18. As long as it depends on you, as long 
as far as it is possible for you, pursue peace with one another. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with one another. Pursue peace. Peace. Not necessarily emotion. You want an emotional peace, you need relational peace. That's important. Okay, but I have a hard time going to sleep at night. Look at your relationships. Look at your relationship with your mom. Look at your relationship with your dad. Look at your relationship with that person that hurt you six years ago that you can't get out of your mind. You have a tough time resting at night. You don't have peace emotionally because you don't have peace relationally. And start with God. Maybe you did something and you haven't turned and repented because you don't want to acknowledge it was wrong because if you acknowledge it was wrong, then it's going to be wrong tomorrow. And if it's wrong tomorrow, then it's going to be wrong the next day. And I don't want to acknowledge it's wrong because if it's wrong, I can't do that no more. Well, maybe you need to acknowledge it's wrong tonight and say, Lord, that's wrong. I call that out. I say no to strife between you and me, God. And I'm going to say yes to unity and peace between us. And I'm going to pursue that because you've pursued that for me. It's already purchased. It's the promised land. But I got to make sure that I deal with strife between me and you, God, and then between you and one another. God, I feel good, but there's, oh, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you how often God brings people to my mind. But you know, our problem is, if we try and pray about so many other things, we need to pray about people. And the more you pray about people, the more you will realize how many people you have strife with. If we're not praying about people, what the heck are we praying about? We're praying about a system, a program? I don't pray God for more systems. There's millions of systems and programs in this world. I want to pray about people. And as it's coming to me, don't pray for the lost. What did he say? Pray for the laborers. Pray for each other to have influence with the lost. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said that. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 37 and 38. Don't pray for the harvest. Pray for the laborers. The more you pray for one another, the more you realize, man, I'm frustrated with that person. No strife. No division. No discord. He says, no, no, no. Can't let there be strife, Lot. There's things that God's called me to do. And I can't let there be strife in my people. You must separate from me. Now in this context, Abraham and Lot saw a great relationship. There wasn't, there wasn't strife between Abraham and Lot. There was strife between their possessions. And Abraham still loved Lot. But Lot went off to Sodom and Gomorrah and Strife. Abraham pursued peace with his people and with God. Please separate from me, he says. And they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, the promised land, right? And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes. You sound familiar? Hey, think about this. Remember in John chapter 4, Jesus comes to his disciples and says, stop praying for the harvest. Stop saying in four months it'll come. 
He says, lift up your eyes and look at the harvest. Remember that? What does he say here? He says to, Lot, to, says to Abraham, when? when? When did he say it to him? After strife had been separated. See what happens when you deal with strife? God opens up your eyes to see the harvest. When you deal with strife in your own land, in your own relationships, with the hearts of those that are around you, when you deal with strife there, God opens your eyes to build more relationships. Lift up your eyes. All over. For all the land. Gabriel, he's talking about land. Yeah, but listen. Land in the Old Testament and the New Testament represents relationships with each other. It's one of the things that my brother Mike McSwain has been showing me. As we study this, we have to look at this and say, wait a minute, when he's talking about land, he's talking about people. How can I want to prove it here in a minute? Look, he says, look at the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. He's talking about people. Gabriel, I want a big catch of fish. Gabriel, I want to see lots of people come to know Jesus. I want to see this place packed. You're not going to get more land relationships if you don't deal with strife among the body. That's my message tonight. Simple. But if we deal with it, we could be in one accord. And then it'll be done? Mm -mm. No, because tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and you're going to get frustrated with somebody. And you're going to need to deal with it. I get frustrated with my brother, Reed, every once in a while. And he gets frustrated with me. But we deal with it. I'm, I deal with it. And he comes to me and deals with it. And sometimes we don't have to go to each other. Sometimes it's just, Lord, I forgive him. Or, Lord, how want you to stop being a baby and get over my little needs and just love him no matter what. Now let me say something before the worship team comes up here. Don't get on Facebook and go telling people I forgive you in the name of Jesus. And don't text somebody and say, I forgive you. And don't write them a letter. Should I sign it? Okay. And don't walk up to them and say, hey, well, you just like canceled all the options. I know. Listen to me. Hey, I, f I, for I forgive you, you jerk, because you were a jerk to me, and so I forgive you. What do I do about that? You just call me a jerk? Okay. <laughs> we do some stupid stuff because we want them to know they hurt us. That's not dealing with strife. That's not dealing with strife. That's getting your own needs met. You want to deal with strife? Forgive them in your heart. Bless them with your mouth. Forgive them in your heart and bless them with your mouth. Forgive them in your heart and bless them with your mouth. And you will find unity. Come on, there's so much discord in this place tonight. There's so much discord in the families in this city. There's so much discord in this church, period. And I'm going to stand like an Abraham and say there's not going to be any strife in this house. I'm going to pursue peace. 
Man, we get frustrated by the dumbest things, don't we? I get frustrated by the dumbest things. He said, you didn't like my shoes? He's just jealous. The devil. I don't like your shoes. My shoes are better than your shoes. Did you hear that? She said her shoes are better than my shoes. Brat. Pick a picture of my shoes and post it on Facebook and see how many comments I get about my shoes. I got 18, she got 16. What up, dog? I mean, for real. Like, we get. Okay, that was me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's disgusting. Gabriel, how do I do it? How do I pursue peace? Forgive him in your heart, bless him with your mouth. Very simple. There's so many teachings on forgiveness and things like that. Ultimately, release them in your heart. And bless them. Lord, I bless them. What does it look like? Go up to them. Don't say, hey, you did this to me. Because you haven't forgiven them yet. Go up to them and bless them. Don't send a text message. Don't post it on Facebook. Don't tell everybody on Twitter. What's Twitter? It's this thing going on. Just check it out. Don't write them an email. Go to them one to another. Jesus says it in Matthew 18. Go to one to another and deal with it. Go to them. Jesus say, hey, send them a text message. Look, I know I keep going, but this is really important. You with me still? You with me still? We got too much interpersonal relationships through text messaging. We need to put down our stinking phones and go to the stinking face and say something to the face. Well, I'm going to move forward in the, in the, in the you know, things of God. No, you ain't. Because you don't know how to be real with somebody. The things of God are people. And if you can't deal with the people around you, God ain't going to give you no more people. Gabriel, I want to see my school change. Okay. Make sure there's no frustration in your heart. Forgive them, bless them, and move forward. And what if I don't feel the blessing? And what if I don't feel peace there? Just keep blessing them until it goes away. And go to them and bless them. Man, you look good today. Don't flatter them. If they don't look good, don't tell them that. Maybe I'm wrong by saying that. Maybe God will correct me one day, but I just can't bless him if I don't. Okay, anyway. But say something nice about them. Bless their character. Praise them for something. Encourage them. Give them a hug. Say hi to them. Listen to them. Talk about them in front of people and say all the good things about them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Can we bless them? Don't just say no to strife. You know what I've been doing? When I feel frustration, I say in the name of Jesus, I bind that strife. And Lord, it be bound on earth. It is bound in heaven. And God, I loose them and I forgive them and I bless them and I thank you for them. And I'm asking, and I just begin to pray blessing over them. I'm not trying to say I'm the perfect example. Lord's teaching me even as we speak. But I'm just trying to deal to you and impart to you what's in my heart. There's some of you in here that are mad at me and you need to forgive me. And I don't even have a problem if you come and tell me. Some people aren't mature enough to, for you to go and tell them what they did, but I don't mind. If you want to come tell me, tell me everything I did to you, and I'll make it right with you. We need to forgive each other. Can we have the worship team come up here, please? Say no strife.
Somebody falling asleep on me tonight? No, come on, Linda. Kind of see the pocket back there now. It was like a little, yeah, right there. Yeah, are you, Nick. You know what I'm saying tonight? You know what I'm saying? Would you stand with me? No, no, stay seated, stay seated. Close your eyes, close your eyes. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father. Father. Oh, God. Oh, we know there's so many people, Lord, that we tend to get frustrated with. We don't get frustrated necessarily at a video game as much. We get frustrated at the person who beat us in the video game. Yeah, we get frustrated at the person who beat us in the sport. We get frustrated at the person that looked better than us. We get frustrated at the person who made fun of me in front of somebody else. And God, I pray that right now, to all those who have a heart to receive, to all those who have a humble heart tonight, that you would show them, as you have been showing them, but continue to show them people in their life that they have strife with, where there is disunity. And particularly, Lord, I ask, and I desire this, Lord, and this body. God, I pray you give them the courage to forgive them. For God, as your word says, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. God, I pray that we would walk in that. Come on, just begin to ask him. Lord, open my eyes. Show me those who I have strife with. If you got a journal, would you write names down? And maybe if you're not a visual person, then just think about them. And in your heart, forgive them. <clears throat> Come on, whoever it is. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it happened this morning. Maybe it happened when you were playing kickball. Maybe it happened when you are in pre-service prayer. Come on, maybe I did something to you. Maybe one of our leaders did something, and you, you're just frustrated at our ministry because they're rude to you. Forgive them in your heart. Release them. Why? Because God's released you. God's made peace with you. And because he's made peace with you, you should make peace with each other. person's in here that hurt you, and you see them acting all happy and praising God after this service, and you go, how can they be doing that? They, they did this to me. You still got strife. And we need to forgive them. Forgive them in your heart. Bless them with your mouth. Come on, if that's you, that's you, you say there's discord, there's disunity, you feel that there's been strife, I don't want you to stand your feet right now. I want you to stand your feet. Anybody, even if it's little. I know there should be, honestly, there should be all of us in this room, but stand your feet and begin to bless them. Bless that person. Come on, be praying for them. 
on every, everybody that's out. If you, and, and if you need to get away because you need to say their name, you can come down the front. You can go to the back. You can go to an aisle. Get away and just bless them. Come on, pray for them. Pray for them. Who is it? Come on, we need unity. Come on, we need unity in this body. We need unity in the family of God. Come on, bless them. Bless them. Lord, I pray you bless them. God, I pray that you'd encourage them. God, I pray that your love would abound in them. God, I pray that you would open up their eyes to see how much you love them. God, I pray you'd make them more confident and more bold. I pray you'd bless their finances. I pray you'd bless their education. I pray you'd bless their mind, Lord God, that they would grow. I, pr I pray, God, that you would bless their relationships. God, I just bless them. Come on, just bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Come on, you're standing here saying no strife. No strife, but blessing. No discord, unity. Come on, no division, oneness. Oneness. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. Come on, be passionate. We got to be passionate. We got to say, we got to say strife. Come on, let's do that together. Let's say strife. Come on, somebody. Say it with some attitude. We got to get, we got to get upset. You know what I mean? We got to get like, like when something's trying to come against us, when something's trying to defeat us, when something's trying to keep us back, we got to talk to strife like it's a person. You know what I'm saying? We got to talk to disunity and discord and, and frustration. We got to talk to it and say, strife. Come on, strife. Separate from me. Come on, strife. Separate from this body. Come on, speak to it as though it were a person. Strife. Separate from my family. Come on, we, that's something right there. Come on, start blessing your family right now. Your mom, your dad, even if you already moved on, you're, you're, not even in, you're not even in your house anymore. Bless your family. Bless your mom. Bless your dad. Bless your brothers. Come on, pray a blessing over them. Speak life over them. Just pray for them right now. Even if you don't know what to pray, say, Lord, I bless them. I pray for your best for them. No strife in my family. No strife in our relationships. No strife in our marriage. No strife, Lord. No strife. Come on, unity. Come on. Come on, and as you're doing that, I encourage you to get one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. And if you've offended somebody, I encourage you to work that out, but tonight I'm encouraging you to get one-on-one -on -one with the Lord and make sure there's peace in your relationship with God. You don't got to try and pray a bunch of prayers. Just confess your junk and just experience the peace. Amen? Let's worship. Let's worship. Come on, let's worship.